Welcome to Legalish on Dash Talk X. It's your girl, Demetria L. Graves, Certified Family Law Specialist in Pasadena and Beverly Hills. And today we are talking how you choose your legal team. And for the show today, we're going to especially talk entertainment. And today I have one of the best entertainment lawyers in Los Angeles in, shoot, I'm going to say the U.S. because I can Not only is she a fabulous entertainment attorney, she is my friend, my sister, Nyanza Shaw. Say hello to the people. Hello, people. Hello, Demetria. (laughs) So wonderful to be here with you today. Awesome. Tell us what you do, where you're from, all that good stuff. Okay. I um, am from the Bay Area, which means San Francisco. People assume it means Oakland. It means all of that, but I represent all of that, but I grew up in San Francisco and Went to school out there. I've lived in L.A. a long, long time, though, so I call L.A. home. And mainly what I do is I represent content creators, and that can be artists, talent, companies um, in the entertainment, media, technology space, and helping them kind of navigate this convergence between entertainment, media, and technology. Awesome. That sounds all official to me. I just know entertainment. People call me... (laughs) Let's say entertainment. I say Nyanza. That's how that goes for me. That works too. (laughs) (laughs) So why are we even talking representation? Why does this conversation even matter? I think there's a greater conversation specifically in entertainment, but also in society and culture, which, you know, I know we'll get into later about who represents you. Mm-hmm. And that might mean, you know, how does your brand represent you? Mm-hmm. How do, you know, your representatives represent you? But specifically in law, as we know, as lawyers, you really have to think about who is going to be on your team and who can represent your best interests. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a shift um, just because people are more conscious of that. Right. And there's a lot of options. Right. How do people even know what they need, especially in the beginning? How do they know who they need on their team? Um, I think most people don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, though, that if you're kind of knowledgeable and it's easy to get knowledge now, Mm -hmm. you have a little bit idea of it. Mm -hmm. But I still get calls where it's like, do I need a publicist? Do I need Mm -hmm. this right now? Do I need Mm -hmm. that right now? And, Mm -hmm. And I also get calls. I got a call this week from a potential client that was, referred to me because that's basically the only way you can get in touch with me. And he had a lot of ideas, concepts, et cetera. And I Mm -hmm. told him, you're not ready for a lawyer, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think people have an idea of what it is, but until, you know, they really reach out and I'm always Mm -hmm. in, um, in the mindset of it's better to know earlier than later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd rather you be too early than too late. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So what is, how does someone know if they're ready? Well, talking to you, what insight would you give them for them to know, okay, I need a lawyer or I don't need a lawyer or I need a publicist and I don't. Okay. Need a so specifically talking about a legal representative, right? Right. If you're in the entertainment space or, you know, media space in general, at some point, you know that you're going to start doing business mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, I need to start figuring out how I'm relating and entering into business relationships with other parties, whether it's a label, whether it's a production company, whether it's a management company, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so that means that at some point shortly thereafter, there's probably going to be a contract. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as soon as paperwork is involved or is about to be involved, that's one big sign. Mm -hmm. What I've heard a lot is, well, it was a quote unquote standard contract. So I signed it. How, are there standard contracts in entertainment or is it always? Absolutely not. <laughs> and I will because um, I want to respect your time, mm-hmm. not spend this whole show talking about why <laughs> I hate, abhor, despise the mm-hmm. word standard. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there's no such thing as a standard contract. Mm hmm. So why do companies, I mean, for the obvious reason, but for the people listening, why do people present it in that way to someone that this is a quote unquote standard contract? It's presented in that way because there are different types of contracts Mm -hmm. that have um, certain provisions in them. Mm -hmm. 
that are normal provisions for that contract. Like right. if you go buy a lease or buy a car and mm -hmm. you're signing a lease or you're purchasing it, mm -hmm. there are certain terms that are standard to that agreement. Right. But what you're paying, what you're putting down, what you're, you know, what your payment's going to be, like all of those things are not standard. They're right. unique to you. And that's right. the same way in a business contract. If you're right. getting a business contract, the standard part of it, and I hate mm -hmm. even using that word, but the template part of it, the provisions that are going to be normal to that agreement are it's going to be two parties and they're contracting mm -hmm. and, you know, it might be services-based, it might be product-based, whatever it is, mm -hmm. but the terms of it overall versus mm -hmm. the provisions, i.e. paragraph one, two, three, or right. section one, two, three, yeah. are going to be different. Right. So when someone, because a lot of people don't know how to find a lawyer, let alone a good lawyer that's actually versed in the area, and we're going to get into that later. But how does someone even start looking for someone if they have a contract in hand? How do they find someone of your caliber to walk them through the process? Well, it's hard to find me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can find me sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think it's a matter of asking around, like look at the people in your circle and the people mm -hmm. that you trust, whether it's, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to use the base of an artist as an example, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're in the studio and you're working with producers or mm -hmm. there's business people around and you can say, hey, do you know an entertainment attorney or do you know someone that's in this space? Mm -hmm. And as an aside, absolutely, um, entertainment is definitely one of those fields where you need somebody versed in entertainment. Right. Do mm -hmm. not come to me and say that your cousin who's a family lawyer, with all due respect, um, or your cousin right, that's a I real estate, <laughs> or your cousin that's a real estate attorney, or your right. cousin that's a civil litigator is going to negotiate your contract. And mm -hmm. there's most attorneys mm -hmm. um, are very professional. Most attorneys are really smart, but they know what they know. And right. so you definitely want to get with someone that knows, you know, knows this business. Right. Especially referencing if you're going to get in contract, like this is a basic producer agreement. Is mm -hmm. it standard? Are the terms standard? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. So who knows that? Right. I know that. I know what's, what's you know, what the industry trends are in terms of what those terms should be and right. what can be negotiated for you. Right. And so that's why it's important because, yeah, a smart lawyer can read a contract, but they're not going to be able to gauge whether it's good or not. Right. Because they don't know what right. good or bad or otherwise is in the business. Right. I, I say that all the time, even in, in my industry. I only do family law. I don't do any other area of the law. So if you come to me, I'm, and you I'm need like... A, and you need a lease agreement. Right. You ain't doing it. I'm not, I'm not the one. <laughs> and I think the public has this big misconception that if you're a lawyer, you know everything. And that's not the case at all. So really, I think our first lesson is, is that if you're looking for representation, make mm -hmm. sure that you're seeking out representation for your need right. and that that person is versed in what you need them for. Right. And so that has to go hand in hand. So if you get a referral, then you have to go forward and do a little research. It's, it's great to get the referral. A lot of times referrals are qualified and all that good stuff. But I think as an artist or whatever, you need to also do your independent research to make sure that person is versed in what, in what you need. Absolutely. And in this day and age, I mean, there's Google and LinkedIn and all other kind right. of ways. I right. mean, you know, usually even if someone is referred to me, by the time they talk to me, mm -hmm. um, they're saying, oh, I saw on your website that you right. also do this. Or right. I saw on right. something, something, I saw an article, or I saw you speak somewhere, mm -hmm. and I knew that, you know, you knew about this, mm -hmm. and that's why I reached out. Mm -hmm. How do you place yourself in the market? Because we do need a lot of people like you that are really good in your industry. How do you position yourself in the market to represent your your ideal client? Um, now, for me, it's a level of, of gaining certain expertise in what I do and a certain reputation in the industry for what I do and being good at it. So the first is doing a good job, right. as we always talk about. <laughs> like right. Performance mm -hmm. is key because... You know, you want your name to be good in these streets. <laughs> <laughs> in these entertainment streets. In these entertainment streets. I know that, you know, people have, you know, good words to say about me, both mm -hmm. people who have worked with me um, and people who I've represented, mm -hmm. which is why I have a lot of long-term clients. I've had a long time and mm -hmm. why I get 
you know, a lot of referrals for new clients. Where right. they're like, call Nyanza. She knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, I want to get into some of the nuances of hiring counsel, hiring a woman, hiring a black woman, hiring other. So we are going to take a break and we will be right back. back to Legalish on Dash Talk X. Today we are talking about how you choose your legal team, especially entertainment, because we have a very special entertainment lawyer with us today, Nyanza Shaw. Now, Nyanza, we were just talking about, you know, when you're looking for a counsel, a lot of times people go to their publicist or cousin, uncle, whoever, and a lot of times they refer them to who they know, right? And a lot of times who they know are these big companies that don't necessarily employ African-Americans, right? So what does that mean for the person seeking counsel? If they go somewhere and say, oh, wow, you know, this firm doesn't necessarily have a lot of African-Americans. Do you think people seek out black people or they just say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go with what whoever told me and it is what it is. I think that this is coming to the forefront more because there is a 
shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been practicing over 20 years, and so I've seen a lot of the shifts. Right. And seeing how the trend is kind of going. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because on the one hand, there are absolutely um, a lot of successful entertainers, athletes, et cetera, right. that are African-American or people of color that for a long time held this belief that you go to, for lack of a better term, that big white firm, mm-hmm. and that's going to be the best look for me. Right. Um, but I also feel, again, that in seeing the shift, feeling the shift, being in that shift, mm-hmm. um, that on the other hand, there's mm-hmm. people who are like, hey, I really want to be represented by somebody that's black or someone right. that looks like me or someone that understands my culture or will specifically seek that out or mm-hmm. someone will specifically refer them and be like, oh, no, you should go with this black girl mm-hmm. and she's a lawyer and mm-hmm. da, da, da. So it's kind of split, but I do see it shifting because mm-hmm. I think that as we grow in power in the mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. Um, and most importantly, grow in ownership, which mm-hmm. creates power. Yes. Um, we can ask and seek that out. And then part of it is, is just that there's more options and opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I started, you know, I'm not that old, but it still wasn't a lot of black <laughs> right. entertainment attorneys. Now right. there's a lot more. Right. I'm happy to call them my colleagues, both, you know, at label studios, mm-hmm. networks, mm-hmm. at their own firms, at big firms. Um, and so I think the premise of that always was that if I'm going to go with this established quote unquote white firm or white attorney, Mm -hmm. that they have certain relationships that maybe a black attorney does not have. Right. And so as same thing, as the trend has shifted, Mm -hmm. that means that there are more options. Right. So there's a lot of great African-American attorneys that you can then say, oh, okay, well, let me, same thing, still do Mm -hmm. my research, Mm -hmm. um, but at least I know that there's options out there. And some of these attorneys are also running some of these big companies. Absolutely. That they weren't doing before. Absolutely. So when did you start seeing a shift now to entertainers, um, athletes being more open to kind of expand their search for um, representation of color? I think that part of it came when talent became in multiple levels and multiple areas of entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. So at some point... This is a very basic example. TV actors were TV actors and film actors were film actors. Mm -hmm. That has shifted across the board, right? Mm -hmm. So at some point, there were rappers that then became actors Mm -hmm. and then had their own clothing company and then might have Mm -hmm. their own production company. So as they're going Mm -hmm. into more fields, Mm -hmm. they're thinking about, okay, my ownership is growing. I want to have more power in this space. Mm -hmm. But I'm also doing business in a way that represents my culture. So I want to work with someone that understands that culture. Right. And, you know, that's not necessarily new. Right. But I do think that it's more, um, it's just seen more and heard about more. It was happening and I, you know, recognized it and you Mm -hmm. might have recognized it. The Mm -hmm. public didn't recognize it as much. But now it's, it's, it's being touted and talked about in terms of the importance um, as general representation becomes a bigger issue and mm-hmm. topic across rep- across the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. right? So if we're saying, hey, we want to be um, represented in front of the camera mm-hmm. and we need more roles in front of the camera, so that's shifting. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, hey, we want to be represented and have a diverse representation behind the camera. So right. we're saying we need more female, black, et cetera, directors, mm-hmm. producers, writers. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's growing. Mm-hmm. So- then part of the trend is that I also want my representation, whether it's a publicist or a lawyer mm-hmm. or a manager or a family lawyer or a bankruptcy lawyer or your tax person to also have that same representation. Mm-hmm. You know, I was watching the NFL draft. Don't ask me why I was on and I was watching it. And I saw a young black lady. She was like the first black woman to represent. Agent Nicole Lynn. Yes, to represent one of the first three picks, I think, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So it raised the question for me. I appreciate the shift. I'm very, actually very proud of the shift. But that, but does this shift also include women? I think it does mm-hmm. because the same way that you know, and I, again, I don't want to totally sidebar into Times Up and Me Too, et cetera. Right. But it's that same thing of representation where we're saying there is a I think two percent of directors are you know, black and even a smaller amount are women and don't quote me on the numbers, but it's minuscule. Right. Um, 
And so the same way that that's shifting is, okay, well then if we're telling certain stories or we're representing certain stories on screen, how do they get to the screen? Mm -hmm. How do they get in music without us being conscious of, oh, we need more female voices as well. We need more African-American voices. And as those voices get stronger, again, they are then empowered to say, okay, then I should be able to be represented by someone that looks like me, someone that understands my culture, Mm -hmm. someone that's going to um, really empathize with the story that I'm trying to tell. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's also the case in sports? I think it's a harder shift in sports Mm -hmm. only because it's a male-dominated industry. And by the way, when I started and only did music, 99% of my clients were black males. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, they were Mm -hmm. rappers, artists, producers, writers, all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's harder in sports because Mm -hmm. it is so Mm male-dominated. And honestly, part of the difficulty is is that there's not a lot of women who want to get into that space because of it. Right. Um, So that's more of a catch-22 where we're pushing in the entertainment industry and we're Mm -hmm. pushing in the tech industry to really Mm -hmm. make it more Mm -hmm. um, diverse. In sports, it's a harder, it's not only a push in, but it's also a push out. Right, right. So for a long time, and I even still hear this today, there was this big misconception, in my opinion, that others do it better and black people don't, you know, not as professional. They don't know as much. They don't have these connections. Yeah, they're absolutely part of that, you know, that allure of going to, as I referenced, this big white firm or this big white attorney was like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, he's the best at it. No, there's not going to be a black person that can do it as best as this white person. Right. Uh, Unfortunately, I think we're conditioned in a way, mm-hmm. um, even as African-Americans in this country, mm-hmm. that there's whites who think whites are superior. Right. And we self-consciously think whites are superior. Right. And so we have to reckon with that and understand and, mm-hmm. again, embrace our own power to know that if we're educating ourselves and we're putting ourselves out there and we're getting the expertise and experience, mm-hmm. that when somebody can give you a shot and you do a great job, mm-hmm. which Again, goes back to what I was saying. If you're performing at a high level so other people understand that, right. then you can kind of shatter that. And right. I believe it's a myth as well. Right. Um, but unfortunately, for there's still people that are in that space. You, you know, what, I mean, I'm not going to call anybody out today, but there's a lot of really big. <laughs> or you can. African-American <laughs> yeah. artists, athletes, et cetera, that yeah. are still represented by white lawyers. Right. And um, let me say this, though, real sure. quick. Uh-huh. As a a interesting story. I have a really high level, you know, client. And the reason he's my client, he's been my client a long, long time is Mm -hmm. because he was with a high level, very experienced white firm and they didn't really give him the time of day. Right. It would take them two weeks to respond and I respond in a day. Mm -hmm. And so I think that part of it has changed because Mm -hmm. we are going to step up. We are going to do 150%. We are going to go above and Mm -hmm. beyond and that's what anybody wants in their representative, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so, believe me, there's a lot of clients that mm-hmm. have called me or been referred to me that were with someone else. Mm-hmm. And this is early on. Where right. They're like, well, you might not have experience, but you sure are smart and you sure going to hustle. Right. I, I feel like we've always worked 150%. I feel like I'm still working 150%. And then someone can walk in in the door that doesn't look like me and do 50%. Oh, absolutely. Totally measured at a different standard. Absolutely. Whether it's between whites and blacks, especially between male and female. Um, You know, I just watched a speech that Oprah gave at the empowerment luncheon that Hollywood Reporter had. And then Mm -hmm. and she talked about how she went and asked the producers for a raise for her team. She had gotten a raise when AM Chicago became the Oprah show. And this Mm -hmm. white male said, well, why do they need a raise? They're just girls. Oh. And that was, you know, probably 20 something years ago. But Mm -hmm. again, there are always lingering effects of that, which is why we are in this space where there's a great shift, whether it comes from Me Too, whether it comes from Time's Up or whether it comes from the fact Mm -hmm. that certain things are undeniable when Mm -hmm. Black Panther makes a billion dollars. Like stop saying we're not valued in this business. So what is something you would say to someone, athlete, entertainment 
otherwise who still has that mindset of they, whoever they are, other than African-Americans, do it better. They're more professional or they're not ghetto or whatever the the, uh, misconceptions have been. I think it's a matter of letting them know what your experience is. And the fact is, is that on the reverse, it doesn't mean I just have black clients. Right. And I'm not just doing business with black folks. I always support black business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's always a priority. But that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not in the same spaces. Mm -hmm. And I think seeing that Mm -hmm. um, and showing that to a potential client to say and okay, yeah, you have this great show idea and I understand it represents your culture, but I don't just know the executives at BET. I also know the executives at Lifetime. Right. <laughs> right. And so if they can see that and see the track record, um, I'm not a person where I feel like I need to sell myself that much because mm-hmm. I know who I am, what mm-hmm. I've done in my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that when clients come to me and I recognize that that's a little hinge that they're on, mm-hmm. Um, is that you have to approach it in that way where it's really about showing and proving. Right. It's not trying to change somebody's mind necessarily because, you know, if you can demonstrate it, then that is where the shift's going to come. Right. I think overall from what I hear you saying is stop making assumptions. As yeah, if you it's don't just an know, assumption. Yeah. And you, especially if you haven't used either firm, you really can't say who's better, who you like more, who has the most um, connections. Because you can be a one-man team and have more connections than a 500-firm company. Absolutely. Because in this business, size does not matter. Right. It matters in a lot of things, but not in this business. <laughs> but not here. Not here. <laughs> Specifically. Um, again, because that's what I'm saying. When I have a client that's at a big 500-person firm, but he can't mm-hmm. get a phone call back from someone, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how big they are. Right. Um, or if you're with an agency, et cetera, and they may or may not have certain relationships. But I actually think, again, because of that 150% uh, effort thing that we have to put in, right? I probably have more relationships. And I probably use yeah. them more. I think yeah. the the catch-22 of the way that different cultures utilize their base, mm-hmm. and I say this all the time is one of my niacisms. We do not utilize our sphere of influence enough. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, some white folks, like their sphere is very narrow and they only mess with the same people, same people, same people, same people. Right. You know, so that means I can probably cover their whole sphere and I got this whole other sphere that they don't even know about because they haven't even reached out to, they don't care about, they're not on that radar. Right. So the breadth is actually wider for me. Right. And I think it should be said that there are good and bad in every race, every culture. Oh, so it's in every profession, every profession. There's right. lots of great lawyers. Right. And there's lots of bad lawyers. Right. Period. Right. That is what it is. So, I mean, that's just going back to the point of the show is to right. really talk about like, well, what are you looking at when you're trying to find representation? Right. It's not just finding representation. It's what are you looking at and find good representation? Right. And that. Right is not a color thing. It's not an experience thing. It's not right. a size thing. Right. You have to find good representation for you, for someone who understands what you're doing is versed in that area of law. Right. And that can represent you to the fullest. Right. Wow. Now's a good time to take a break. Way to wrap that up. Nye. We'll be right back. Keep rocking and keep knocking. Whether you be tying it up or rebocking. You see the hate that they serving on a platter. So what we gon' have? Dessert or disaster? I never thought I'd be in love like this. When I look at you, my mind goes on a trip. And you came in.
on Dash Talk X. Today we are talking about how to choose your legal team, especially your entertainment team because of everything that's going on in our culture these days. So Nyanza, why is it important to hire black right now? I think one, black is hot. Yes. <laughs> we're always yep. hot, but then the other people decide. I'm yeah. always hot, but... We're always yeah. hot, but in the entertainment space, again, you know, whether it's Black Panther making a billion dollars yes. or, you know, the success of a lot of shows, whether it's blackish and, and insecure and, you know, the there's, shy, the shy, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's something that's happening where we're getting a shot mm-hmm. and once we take it, we know that we can perform mm-hmm. and then they are seeing the success of that. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is that they is, the people that push the buttons and green light projects still, mm-hmm. you know, in the business are majority white. Now that's changing as well. Cause mm-hmm. you know, yep. there's definitely some black folks that can do that now. Um, but yeah, we're kind of hot. Right. right. And there's a lot of really great content is being created across the board and streaming mm-hmm. and Netflix and, and networks and movies and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so again, that goes back to then as our success grows, our power grows mm-hmm. and there's, no dispute that hip hop culture is the biggest, most influential culture in the world, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Don't at me. It's a fact, (laughs) right? It's a fact, right? It's a multi-billion, quadrillion, billion dollar business that Mm -hmm. like not only employs and empowers thousands, millions of people, Mm -hmm. but transcends literally across the world. Right. So when you then have that type of power shift, and there's a consciousness in that, then you have people that can say, okay, well, I want to make sure that if I'm on this show that there's black writers, or I want to make sure that my representation is black, or I want to make sure that my directors are black, you know, et cetera. And so that kind of comes down from, again, remembering that with ownership and with power, Mm -hmm. that's when we can start making those decisions Mm -hmm. in a way that it makes sense. Right. Um, so a great example recently is with Beyonce. This story came out that she's relaunching Ivy Park. Mm-hmm. She had these meetings with this, uh, these athletic companies. One was Reebok, one was Adidas. Mm-hmm. She's sitting in this meeting at Reebok with this team, mm-hmm. and she 
clearly says, allegedly, is this the team that's going to represent my brand? Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah, and they all happy and smiling. Yeah, Beyonce's yeah. in the room. Yeah. And she said, then I can't do the deal because nobody in here represents, reflects me or reflects my culture. Mm-hmm. You know what? That brings a, a important thought for me was they really thought that that was okay. No one said, okay, maybe you we know should why, throw though? A- Let me say this, mm-hmm. and this is not an excuse for them. Okay. It's that because... As I just stated, Mm -hmm. hip hop is the largest and Beyonce's hip hop. We all know Beyonce's hip hop Mm -hmm. is the largest culture influence in the world. Right. right? So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people, white, otherwise or et cetera, Mm -hmm. who do understand Mm -hmm. are in, you know, flow in what Mm -hmm. that culture is. Right. So hypothetically speaking, and again, this is an excuse. I can see them saying, oh, well, we know help hip hop and we know this culture because we know this business and we have a diversity inclusion officer. And right. <laughs> like, of course, we can represent this culture because the culture is so big that right. that's where it's muddy. Right. But the reason why it's important to then have black representation is and I see this all the time because I have clients that are creating content that are culture based. Right. So mm-hmm. if I have a client that has a show that is based on a black family and I'm trying to sell it to a network. Mm-hmm or sell it to a production company to take it to a network, et cetera, they need to understand what that culture is and what the value of it is and what the marketability of it is. Because mm-hmm. guess what? We all trying to make money. Right. And if they can't right. sell it, they're not going to make any money. So right. what's the point? But in that room, I could totally see that some white people who think they're down or some other people who think they're down are like, oh, yeah, Beyonce's mm-hmm. everything. Beyonce's right. universal. So of course we can represent Beyonce. Right. We don't need we don't need to be black to represent right. Beyonce. Right. But Beyonce and her power and her intelligence is saying, but this is a culture brand. Right. And I need someone in here right. that is a little more not just down for the culture, but from the culture mm-hmm. that understands that value. Mm-hmm. So when I have an idea. And it's something that, you know, related to my culture that mm-hmm. they can get it and I can connect with them. Well, I think my my thought was if you are studying Beyonce, doing your research, I would say, hmm, she just did this whole black college experience for Coachella. Let me look around this room and see how we can kind of parallel kind of where she is right now. I don't think they did the proper research because with that said, then I don't think they would have presented the way that they presented. Absolutely not. And then, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, that doesn't make Reebok a bad no, company. Not at all. Um, but it also means that it goes back to if they're maybe putting their best team forward mm-hmm. and that's their best team, then that's an issue because that means there's not enough people in that space to, even have someone in that room. Right. They might have a lot of really great black employees. Right. But they're like, well, we're going to put Beyonce's team has got to be the best team. Right. And these five, six people, however many people are in the room are these white high level people who think, you know, they know, they know what this is. Right. I mean, and total sidebar, that's Mm -hmm. what happens at a lot of these companies that have recently had brand issues, brand missteps. Yeah. Because they don't have the proper representation. So really, that flows from the same question that you're asking. It's like the reason why you want to have black representation if you're black Mm -hmm. in this space and time Mm -hmm. is so that those mishaps don't happen, so that Mm -hmm. you can be properly represented. Mm -hmm. And so that most importantly, your culture is reflected in the person in the room speaking for you. Right. I think you kind of touched on this while, while you've been speaking or I've been listening between the lines. But why is it so important to support black businesses, black lawyers, black businesses that are supporting the entertainment people? Again, it's twofold. One is because we want to make sure that if you have representation behind the camera and in who's representing you um, in on the business side or the agency side or et cetera, that that then helps push everything else forward so that Little black kids can see the representation on the screen or in the movies or in, you know, in the music. Right. Right. Um, But also part of that is making sure that there's we're kind of addressing the level of black wealth in our country. Right. And as we're growing and again, getting more Mm -hmm. powerful. Mm -hmm. um, And and by the way, 
been pretty powerful, but embracing that more and right. understanding that probably, absolutely, even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. 15 years ago, um, even an artist of Beyonce's status mm-hmm. couldn't say no to that. Right. But she's powerful enough in that space that she can mm-hmm. say, no, thanks. I'm yeah. going over here. Yeah. Um, the same way. And I, I definitely want to mention this because I think it's so admirable that Michael B. Jordan not only did he launch his company, Outlier Society, mm-hmm. with saying, I'm going to have an inclusion writer, which means that there has to be a certain level of diversity in front of the camera, behind the camera, everywhere around, right? Right. And then went to Warner Brothers Studios, and, and or I think they contacted him. I don't know how it happened, but right. started having discussions so he could help them develop their inclusion writer. Mm-hmm. So this multi-billion dollar film company mm-hmm. could say, okay, well, we're going to commit to that too. Right. And he has enough power, clout, et cetera, even at his level to say, this is something that I want to do. Right. So I think then the return of that or the other side of that is that we then need to, as black people support that. Right. Right. Has what Michael B. Jordan did, cause I heard him talk about, it, I think it was Oprah's masterclass or whatever he was on. Has that been done before or is this like a new? It's absolutely new. Okay. Now, we know that, again, it's a societal thing. It's not Mm -hmm. black, white, or otherwise. Generally, you know, it's that sphere of influence thing that if you're white and these are the people you know and you have a show and you go to the next show, you're just going to hire your friends. And guess what? All your friends are white. Right. It's it's just default. It's not racist. It's just like. You're going to say hire the same three writers because you've been working with them all along. Mm-hmm, right. um, and sometimes that happens with black folks. Like we right. have our team, like we're going to continue to work together. Right? right. And so, but in any space in order for us to really deal with um, bringing not only attention to, but putting action into making mm-hmm. this business more diverse, mm-hmm. it has to be proactive. So right. I know it became a pop, not a popular term, but a recognized term in the general population when um um oh my god the woman who won an award for three billboards outside of whatever movie she's a white woman Uh and she made a statement when she won her oscar Uh that we have to have inclusion writers and then it became a buzzword it's like oh what are these inclusion writers and blah 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 etc it's just a level of saying that there are the best of in every space right and there are opportunities where the best of isn't just, to your point, the white person. Right. Mm-hmm. Then, and you have to be able to balance that there's a great producer, there's a great line producer, there's a great cram- cameraman, right. et cetera, that right. camera woman. Right. <laughs> camera person. <laughs> right. right. We need to change that, that term. <laughs> camera person. Right. That may be black, that might be female, that might be Asian, might be, you know, it's not, that's not a black or white thing. Right. That's a matter of saying, we need to make sure that we are employing the best, but looking at the best in other areas and looking at people of color and saying, well, just because you didn't get a shot doesn't mean you're not good at it because right. nobody's looked at you because they're only looking, looking over at here. These people. Yeah. Did Issa Rae, I feel like she did this without terming it what the inclusion, whatever you just um, said. I think she naturally did that. And I yeah. think a lot of people, you know, naturally do that. Right. Again, I reference it because I just watched it this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, the Oprah speech, she talks about Ava coming, Ava DuVernay coming to her for mm-hmm. Queen Sugar and saying, I want to have all female directors. Mm-hmm. And even Oprah initially was like, well, can we do that? And mm-hmm. she was like, you're yeah, Oprah. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess all of us need to, that's right. note for the day. Sometimes right. all of us need to be reminded of our greatness right. and our power. Absolutely. And so she made that decision. And again, Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I'm going to have an inclusion writer. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be committed to giving somebody a shot. Right. And that's really what an inclusion writer is more about. It's like giving Mm -hmm. diverse people of color, diverse backgrounds, LGBTQ, et cetera, a shot in that space because they haven't been given a shot. Does that mean the same pay? As their absolutely, counterparts? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And thank God we have guilds and unions because right. all the rates are the same. Right. Yeah. So it's not it's not a diminished role. And again, mm-hmm. it's not a diminished capacity. Right. This person is a dope director. Right. They just didn't get their shot. Right. They're just as good a director. Right. I think this is really going to change the world in, in this, in this uh, market 
versus what we have seen. And that makes me really excited for, you know, my but son. That's why, it's, and yeah, that's why yeah. it's so exciting. It's so exciting to, um, you know, I heard a lot of the actors from Black Panther talk about, you know, that movie came out in February and then there were little kids, white kids, black kids, Latino mm-hmm. kids, all dressing up as Black Panther for right. Halloween right. in October. Right. Um, including my baby. Including was, your yeah. baby. <laughs> he was in there. <laughs> he was in there. He, he bought it to the yeah, house. He was right in there. But that changes an idea of what superheroes look like, what directors look yes. like. Where I know absolutely from my experience, I'm changing what an entertainment lawyer looks like. Mm. It hadn't seen, you know, there's a few. Right. I always have to give, you know, a little shout out to Nina Shaw. She's, yeah. you know, she's a legend. Right. She's iconic. Right. And she's a very powerful black woman in this space. Right. But there were one, two other people around her. Mm-hmm. And most of the people that are specifically her generation mm-hmm. are all men. Yeah. Um, and so I do know and understand and kind of go, then that goes back to what we're saying about when someone is looking at you mm-hmm. and, and, and deciding if you, mm-hmm. you know, are going to be their counsel, mm-hmm. you're also looking at, well, what am I representing here? Right. You know, and, and I know we take that, you know, you know very, very seriously. Right. Mm-hmm. So no, you're not getting the quote unquote angry black girl. You're not getting the person that's going to slip off on something. I, one hundred and fifty percent, or one hundred and eighty-two. We need depending shirts on that the say day. that. One hundred and fifty percent all all day, all day. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think it comes back to that full circle of like, what are we representing? Right. How are we changing the narrative right. of what that really means? And right. the fact is, is that it is super exciting, and that's why it is exciting to not only be black, mm-hmm. but also support black, and for black folks to say, oh. If I'm going to speak this out and act on this and put these actions into it, let me get a black representative as well. And how do we make sure people that are iconic and powerful that they continue this movement? Because like we've talked about before, not everyone is for the movement and not everyone is attached to what's going on. The renaissance of of the entertainment industry. How do we make sure or hold them accountable for continuing what is kind of finally taking off? I think as the trend shifts, there's always going to be people who have worked with who they work with and Mm -hmm. created relationships and built what they built. Right. Right. Um, And that's fine. But the difference is, is that it's not just like, oh, all of a sudden you need all of your people to be black. It's all of a sudden you need to be able to give certain people a shot. Right. All of a sudden you need to embrace that diversity is important. Right. All of a sudden you need to embrace that women need to be respected in this space and can't be, you know, used, utilized, thrown away in a certain way in this right. space, abused, whatever. Right. Um, and so it's not necessarily that, again, that everything is so 100% pro-black. It's just a matter of saying, hey, I understand that this is important and there's different ways that you can support it. Right. Okay. We're going to take our last break and then we will be right back. My baby girl in the interviews now And I don't bring the problems from the 90s and the 2000s There's no reason to have a friend or two now Cause the kid's ready to tell you how he feel in a few vows Maybe I speak in general now But girl, I'ma do whatever just to keep a grin on you now Where I go, they wear bikinis in the winter too now What you think about, tan lines on the skin of you now Why wouldn't I wanna spend a few thou On Fifth Ave, shopping sprees, and them dentists to chow I ain't concerned with other men with you now As long as when I up in you, you growl And any dude with you, he better be a kin of you now And I ain't jealous, it's the principle now I'm so into you I can't really explain 
traded it all in orderly fashion. The villa in Florida, we crashing just off the shore. Welcome back to Legalish on Dash Talk X. I am Demetria L. Graves, a certified family law specialist in Pasadena and Beverly Hills. And I am sitting here today with the wonderful Nyanza Shaw, who is the entertainment lawyer. I might be biased, but whatever. She's great. (laughs) And we are talking about choosing your legal team. And I know we're talking about this in the entertainment space, but this is important across the legal yeah, discussion. absolutely. Absolutely. I think I've talked about it in the family law space, but it, you know, it applies to everything that you're doing and choosing your representation and, and being intent, you know, setting your intentions with that and knowing what you need, what you're looking for and that sort of thing. So, Nyanza, I wanted to talk to you about the characteristics of hiring a great entertainment lawyer because each field is different. So what should someone look for in the entertainment space? So I do think that experience is important. Um, so how much it, experience are you talking well, about? I was going to say, I was going to say yeah. that doesn't mean years. Right. Because you see because all the time. I've been practicing for 35 years. We know right? that's a pet peeve. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> huge. huge, huge. Yeah. Um, experience means what you said earlier, being mm-hmm. well versed in the area that you need help. Right. So someone can say. Hey, I've been practicing for 30 years, Mm -hmm. but if they've only done two licensing deals or Mm -hmm. two streaming deals Mm because they've been practicing so long, they don't even understand streaming. I'm like, what? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Streaming deals are like when you want your show on a streaming service like Netflix, Amazon or Hulu or Mm -hmm. some sort of digital streaming platform Mm -hmm. versus traditional distribution or traditional um, licensing for a movie Mm-hmm. TV, etc. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so when I'm talking about experience again, mm-hmm. just to clarify, it is about the area of expertise right. and being well versed in that. It's not amount of years. Um, I said recently to someone because there's nobody that has ten years of experience negotiating deals with YouTube, right? Because YouTube is only Wasn't around. ten years old, you right. know. Or you know, beyond that, it's like okay, right? Um. Just like nobody can have 20 years experience of streaming because streaming wasn't around, (laughs) you know. So it's it's part of the context of that. Right. Mm -hmm. So one experience two really is, is that understanding what you have, what your product service brand is. Mm -hmm. And if they understand that Mm -hmm. and can really represent that. What if you don't know? How do you get clear on what you have to kind of equate to what you need? Well, I think it's I think you do know that because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're an artist or, you know, if you have a show, or, you know, if you're a writer or right. whatever that part of it is. Right. right. And so it's like, OK, there's a lot of entertainment attorneys, but some only do music. Right. There's a lot of entertainment attorneys only do film and TV. There's a lot, you know. Right. So even in that space, I was just on a panel and we had four attorneys. One is a in-house um, digital deals with digital deals for AT&T mm-hmm. and I have my own practice and I'm transactional and other ones at an agency does business affairs, other ones at a record label, like right. we're all entertainment attorneys, you know? Right. right. So that part of knowing what you have mm-hmm. and saying, okay, but I need somebody in this space. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So that's the second part of narrowing it. So mm-hmm. do they have the expertise in, right. in this area, but are they also in the area and space that, you know, I need their help in. Right. Um, and then lastly, it's kind of going back to what we're saying about having representation. Like if you're creating something that's culture-based, especially if you're an African-American, whether mm-hmm. it's an app, whether it's a TV show, you know, whether it's music, think about, you know, choosing a representative that understands that. That's mm-hmm. the Beyonce example. It's right. like you want someone that represents your culture mm-hmm. And being able to really push that forward. Like, how can you really represent this if you don't understand it? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those are generally what you're looking for, right? right? So I'm walking in the door. Hey, do you even do this? Yes. Right. Do you have expertise in this kind of deal? Right. Yes. Right. Can you represent me because you understand what I'm selling? Right. And that could be whatever it is. Right. But if it's culture based, it's even more important, right? right? And then lastly, it's really a rapport. I have to be able to represent you to the fullest. Right. This is a personal relationship. Right. You have to know I 100% have your back and you have to trust that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so really at the end of the day, that's the same thing. Like you might have a great 
um, attorney who has a lot of experience and knows what they're doing. But if you don't have a good vibe with them, right. you cannot hire that attorney. Or, or trust them. Or trust them, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to go in and fully represent you. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that you guys see on TV sometimes in negotiating deals, it's like, okay, well, here's an offer and I'm going to go back and I'm going to talk to my client and we'll mm-hmm. negotiate. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my nyanzaisms is that I don't need to go back and talk to my client. And this no. usually fe- freaks out mm-hmm. the other white side. attorney. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> or the other attorney. Because they're like, well, you don't yeah. want to go. No, because no. I know what they want. Yeah. I know exactly what my client is looking for, what they mm-hmm. want, what's best for them. I know you. I'm representing you to the fullest. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go ask them nothing. We already talked about this. Right. I know. Right. I know what their bottom line is. I right. know what their top line is. I know right. what they're willing to accept. I'm not going to tell you all that, but right. I don't need to leave the room so we can keep talking. Right. Or we cannot talk at <laughs> right. all. Or we're done. Or we're done. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite art. Or it's over. Or it's you done. Decide. Yeah. yeah, you decide. But, you know, so when you're looking at that, again, mm-hmm. it's, it's going beyond, and you said it initially, mm-hmm. doing your research, doing your due diligence. Mm-hmm. And it's, thank God, easier. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Right? Because there are more options. Right. And thank God it is easier. I'm mm-hmm. not mad that there's more entertain- black entertainment attorneys. Oh, I'm absolutely happy not. and excited. Right. Like, right. Call me, whether it's Agent Nicole Lynn or Tabitha Plummer is now an agent. Like, if you need an agent, call me because now, like, we're trying to get in those spaces. The more of us that are in that space is the same thing as the example of an inclusion writer. Right. We want more people to get a shot. Right. Right. And it might not always be the person that looks like me, Mm -hmm. but I want to make sure that whoever that is, that whether a person of color Mm -hmm. or LGBTQ or represented, the Mm -hmm. underrepresented group. Right that I know is just as capable or doing 150% right. <laughs> is going to get their shot right. to represent you right. to the fullest. Right. So even if I can't do it, and I even do that, by the way, when I, and you know this because yeah. you know and love me, even if I'm representing a client mm-hmm. and needs a family lawyer, I, of course, I'm going to rep- yeah. refer you first, right. mm-hmm. but I might say, hey, I know this other person. I know this. Go and yeah. talk to them. Right. And decide. And make sure that it's somebody that you feel comfortable with. Right. If I'm going to refer you to a financial advisor or a business manager, right. I'm going to refer you to a couple people and right. be able to say, I know they're dope. Right. I know they're really good at what they do and their right. experience. I know they're well-versed in what you need. Right. But the last most important piece is, are you going to have that relationship, relationship. with them? And that's what life really comes down to is relationships. Um, not only life, but absolutely in mm-hmm. this entertainment business, everything yeah. is relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a great show. It I was am a great show. So happy you came down to hang with me. And I appreciate you having me in, in my, studio. So how can the people find you if they need some great representation in the entertainment space? I just told you I'm hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't just going to put me out there. <laughs> if you want to learn more about me, <laughs> um, I'm on everywhere at Shaw Esquire on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, my website is ShawEsquire.com, and you can try to find me there. You can call me. I'll find her for you. <laughs> She'll try to track me down. <laughs> Again, you are listening to Legalish. Until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye.